And we are back for part two of the sci-fi or fantasy series for uh, for Game of Thrones. Uh, for those of you who are new here, we're just doing the uh, Game of Thrones minis for right now and full episodes. We're, we're going to be, be talking later about more. On. I mean, more than just sci-fi and, and fantasy part two. Some people might be like, "Oh man, like this topic, we're gonna we're gonna beat it into the ground." But we've got a lot. We're we're, we're going to be talking about a lot more than that. Well, we are, and there is a reason we're coming back here, because uh, the uh, episode three, this is going to be episode four, and ironically, several days after we recorded, the Nightflyers sci-fi Twitter account, uh, I have it right here, they came out with a tweet where apparently uh, George R. R. Martin was answering fan questions. People were telling me about this, but yeah. I was like, eh, whatever. Um, and George R., according to the Nightflyer sci-fi Twitter account, George R. R. Martin said that he merges sci-fi with magic fantasy to get people reading outside their comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, and did you did you see that did you see the number one the first comment? <laughs> Suppressing Jacob's <laughs> riddle. <laughs> well we're gonna get into that. A couple of things first. Uh, everybody was asking in the comments section of the previous video, but you've corrected this in the description of that video. Also, re-put it in this video, where can I get a Lemongate t-shirt? Preston, we'll put that in the description of this video. So hurry up, get your Lemongate t-shirts before they're gone, because they're selling like hotcakes. <laughs> there's, there's really an infinite supply, but yeah. But, um, so... so <laughs> the fuck? Why are you ruining it? What the fuck? I'm trying to sell you here, Jesus. The, uh, so... The the Night Flyers tweet was 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 really was really kind of something. I mean, keep in mind that we had just finished recording that, and then like the next day, mm -hmm. the Night Flyers tweet happened. I, and it's funny because like I was at the mall and like I look at my phone and I see the tweet from like like the the, the it, it's strange because like my Twitter on my phone doesn't necessarily like like alert me to everything, but for some reason like. It alerted like George R. Martin, uh, like um, forwarded a tweet of Sci-Fi Channel Night Flyers. So like he he approved. He's the one that forwarded the tweet. So like not only did he say it, and then the Sci-Fi Channel um, like posted it. He then retweeted it. He's he's reaffirming so, what he said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now it's interesting though where he said so, and and we have to look at it from the context of Night Flyers because because. In a sense, it's he's he's doing the inverse, but this does go along with the furniture rules. Like, um, he likes combining genres, and and he doesn't like classifying stuff in genres. First of all, in the beginning, even though in interviews he does it all the time, he also just hates it. Right? He says that there we shouldn't have these barriers uh, between sci-fi and horror and 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 fantasy, um, and then. And then at the same time, he'll start talking about in, in, in other interviews that something is fantasy and not sci-fi. And you're like, but, but you just said that you don't like, like these classifications, but nonetheless, this one is about how he likes merging. Um, and he's, you know, he, he wanted to uh, take people out of their comfort zone, which actually gets into the thing of like people getting so angry about calling ice and fire sci-fi, like that it makes people uncomfortable that they think that they're they're watching fantasy and then all of a sudden it's secretly sci-fi. Like it shouldn't make somebody uncomfortable, who cares? But 
for some reason it does. And well, we're gonna we're, like, we're gonna get into yeah. that because uh, there were there were there was a couple of backlash and usual from and it's it's from the usual suspects. It, uh, that's dumb backlash that has no merit or substance behind it. Yeah. So, but we to to really understand the tweet, we have to understand like Night Flyers. Um, and so Night Flyers is a really really weird novella that George R. R. Martin wrote. Um, in 1979, 1980, uh, that was actually made into a movie that somewhat resembles the, the novella and is now getting made into a series, um, for, for the sci-fi channel. Um, we, we have no idea there, there's been very little information coming out about the plot of the show and, and the, uh, the trailers hardly give anything away. Um, we know from a George R. R. Martin tweet that one of the characters does align with one of the protagonists from the novella, uh, Melantha Jurl. Um, and, uh, but otherwise we don't know, we don't know anything about night flyers. We don't even know when it comes out. Like sci-fi channel still hasn't like announced its release day, but it's a um, uh, sci-fi horror, right? It is, it is, but it's funny cause he's calling it in the tweet sci- sci-fi fantasy but the novella is pretty straight up sci-fi. Um, it 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 portrays itself as fantasy halfway through, and then there's a sci-fi explanation at the end for everything. Um, and I don't know. I'm going to go deep into spoilers on what the novella is about. I mean, if you haven't been in the, in the Thousand Worlds book club or, or read it, um, uh, I'm going to explain the plot right now. Uh, essentially, it's the, the story is about a bunch of uh, people that go on a ship called the Night Flyer. Night Flyer, by the way, uh, becomes a ship in Ice and Fire. Um, own, uh, it's uh, Lord uh, Black Tide's ship um, on the Iron Islands. Um, it's a bunch of people that, that, a bunch of scientists that get on a ship and they find out that there's this creature, this ancient creature that is, uh, and a whole, you know, that is, flying through space at sublight speed, avoiding stars, just deep space, and all sorts of civilizations throughout, uh, across the galaxy, have been writing about this thing, this Vulcran. But, but it's kind of a legend, and no one knows if it really exists because it doesn't fly near stars. And so these, you know, the Night Flyer, these scientists go into deep space to track the Vulcran to see what it is. And so they, they rent this ship from this guy named Royd. And Royd is a uh, isolationist, doesn't, is, you know, quarantined off in a separate room. And no one knows why. It's really weird. Um, he's kind of this, all, you know, the all-powerful shut-in, which is, a, which is a reoccurring George R. R. Martin thing. Um, you know, think Blood Raven, um, you know, being, you know, cloistered off in an area but for some reason still has power over everything Royd is in his cabin but has cameras everywhere in the ship and has controls on everything and so he has control over the whole ship so that's the start and then the story starts descending into a uh, 10 little indians slasher movie where the people of the ship start dying one by one um and everybody thinks it's Royd. But then you kind of, you know, figure out that it's not Royd and you're wondering, oh, is the ship haunted with a ghost? Can there be a ghost in the computer of the ship? 
Um, and then at story's end, you find out that the ghost is not really a ghost, but it's the uploaded consciousness of Royd's mother, who is actually his cross-gender clone because he was created as a sex partner for his mother, who was a super telepath. But she created him as a clone, planning to mate with him, but then she died before he grew up to be her mate. But she had uploaded her personality into the computer, and she's still telepathic, even though she's in the computer, and she's the one killing everybody off. Um, it's a little bit like Psycho in that sense. In fact, George R. R. Martin's called it Psycho in space because it's a it's a mother thing. So uh, George R. R. Martin, a George R. R. Martin production, everybody. Of yeah, you yeah. Gotta have, so you got to have incest in there, so you got to throw it in there somewhere. I mean, it's the weirdest incest too. I mean, it's I, I guess it's like I guess it's like Jamie and 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 Cersei in the sense that they're crossed. I mean, their twins aren't. Fraternal twins aren't cross-gender clones, but they're the cr- closest things you're kind of you're, the yeah, closest you're going to get to it, right? So, um, uh, but the Night Flyers television show. A lot of people are asking us, uh, do we have plans of uh, uh, reviewing this? Uh, do you want to go first, or I, 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 I'm going to watch it, and then if if after watching the first episode, I, I, I think it merits like review. I think I think I'll I'll, I'll do it if it's um. If it's not, you know, if it's just really horrible, um, then I probably won't bother. But or if it if it has a lot to do with the Night Flyers novella, mm-hmm. I'll do it. But if if it if it's completely its own thing, I probably wouldn't. Like you know, it, it's um, so we'll see. I'm definitely gonna watch it and, and then and then make my make my decision about it. I don't want to com- I don't want to commit to you know an entire series off of something that's 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 horrible and unrelated and not not very deep and and things like that. So so we'll see we'll see. I um, am uh, not gonna review it. I am <laughs> not gonna watch it. So uh, this is actually uh, something someone got on my case for in the comment section because they're like you you haven't checked out Dr- what's it called Dream Song? Dream songs, yeah. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, and I guess I'm a douche for saying this, but when it comes to like George R. R. Martin, I'm not a fan of George R. R. Martin. I'm a fan of. <laughs> Hold on, I'm a fan of A Song of Ice and Fire, I'm not a fan of George R. R. Martin. And the reason I say that is because I think in order for you to be a fan of someone, you should probably be, you should pretty much like most of their work, at least mm. two-thirds of their work. Would you agree with that? Okay, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, like, it's like people say, I'm a fan of Stephen King, okay? Besides It and The Shining, what other Stephen King movies or novels do you enjoy? None of them. Right. I mean, it's funny. Like, I really love The Dark Tower, but I don't like any other. I don't really like the rest of Stephen King. So it's like. So you're not a fan of Stephen. Yeah, you're not right. Does it make me a Stephen King King fan or or not? I'm not sure. Um, So so in my opinion, you're not really a Stephen King fan. You're more of a fan of the Dark Tower series that was written by Stephen King. So mm. I'm not really a George R. R. Martin fan. I like the guy. I like I like his. You know, obviously I like his work. But when it comes to his other stuff, I'm not interested in reading them. I have no interest in reading them. It's just not my cup of tea. I really like A Song of Ice and Fire. So in that sense, I'm more of a fan of his one work than others because people mm. love to say like i love george R. R. martin a fan of all his like honestly most youtubers who cover thrones in a song of ice and fire didn't even know the fucking guy had more than one book <laughs> and to like put it in a different perspective that's like saying i'm a fan of preston jacobs 
you have over a hundred videos. Like, you like all the hundred videos that Preston has done? Like, or at least most of them? No, I just like Dornish Master Plan. Do you like anything else he's done? No, I just like that one video he did on Dornish Master Plan. Okay, then that means you're not a fan of Preston Jacobs, you're a fan of the Dornish Master Plan theory that he did. Does that make sense? Like, I, 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 I also pass on this question to the audience. Uh, what do you guys think on that? Can you say you are a fan of someone if you haven't read or don't even care about most of their work? Um, but that being said, uh, so you're going to be reviewing it, checking out the first episode? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm especially interested. I mean, at least it has Melantha Jurel, apparently, or a Melantha Jurel character. Um, and Melantha, Melantha Jurel uh, um, is interesting in that she is, um, well, one, she, she's black uh, and she's the protagonist and she's female. Um, which was very unusual for, for 1979, 1980 to have that, uh, situation. Um, what situation to, to have a minority female be the, be the like main protagonist, Mm, um, of a, of a story. I mean, yes, horror, horror around that time was getting into the, the last girl premise, you know, like, um, with Ripley. Right with Ripley, with with uh, Friday the Thirteenth, with Sarah Nightmare Connor. Street. Right, you always have you know the the last girl premise, but um, what do, what George R. R. Martin does to turn it on its head is there's even though like Last Girl as a, in, as a horror premise, um, in in one sense it's empowering to have to have a to have a female lead, but on the other hand, the female lead is always the prudish. Um, one that's not having sex, and there, there's usually some girl having sex, and then she gets killed because women shouldn't be sluts. You know, it's, there's a lot of slut shaming to mm-hmm. um to horror movies. Uh, while Melantha Jurel fucks everybody <laughs> in the story, and there's no shame to it. It's like she is a strong, powerful woman who who just fucks everyone, <laughs> and she's the protagonist. So there's no. So uh, there's no slut shaming. So George R. R. Martin was way ahead of his time um, in having like you know a sexually liberated character uh, be be the protagonist. So so it's interesting. I'd I'd like to. I'm I'm interested to see if the the new Melantha Jurel is going to be be like the other be like the old Melantha Jurel. Well, in regards to like uh, this show, um, if if they're smart, they would do sci-fi horror, which. I saw the trailer. It looks like that's what they're going for. Yeah. However, sci-fi horror is very, it's not hard to pull off, but like it's, it's, it's picky. It's uh, people are picky mm. with their sci-fi horror. Like obviously you have aliens, alien, the alien franchise. Um, and besides the alien franchise, I don't know. Well, I, I there aren't that many well-known, uh, sci-fi horror genres out there where the, where they, where the mix, the, the two are mixed. Um, I think, I think people respect the thing. Um, but is that sci-fi horror? I mean, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Never mind it because it's an alien, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The thing. So, I, I mean, always forget that. Yeah. And and I guess in a sense, Predator, the the second half of Predator, because Predator makes the shift from weird action movie to 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 sci-fi horror. Like, yeah, but that just... but that's pushing it because <laughs> the Predator is more more like sci-fi action than sci-fi horror. Yeah, a good a good example of sci-fi horror would be. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Event Horizon? Yes, yes. With uh, Sam I, I'm, Neill. I'm, yeah, and I, I'm a big fan of Event Horizon. I, I actually liked I, it too. 
Um, that is that's, but, that's but, essentially a haunted house in space. Yeah. Then again, I, I I saw it for free on a sneak preview in the theater and and like a long time ago. And so when when the price is zero for a movie, you're just like, yeah, this movie's gonna be great. A sne- wait, sneak preview? What the fuck was that about? I don't know. It was years ago. I forget. It was. I mean, it was a long time ago. It was in the theaters. But I I, I went on a on a, some sort of sneak preview for free. I, I had some sort of pass to see Event Horizon, like AKA like you before. snuck in the theater. I got you. No, man. it was like a week before. <laughs> I have no idea. And it was I had heard nothing about the movie, and 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 I was just it it surprised me on every level. Um, it was just uh, it it was it has comic relief, but but like at such a small amount that it's act and at such tense moments that it's actually like really useful comedy comic relief where you're like oh gosh and you start laughing um Um, for those of you who don't know event horizon is essentially the story of a spaceship who uh goes into hyperspace and then comes back out and uh all contact with the crew is lost essentially the space uh the spacecraft when it hyperspaced it went into a hellish dimension or hell itself and it came back all possessed so a bunch of people have to go there and figure out what the fuck happened and it's not too different. It's it's not too different from Night Flyers, really. It's you know? not actually Night Flyers reminds me more of the Arthur C. Clarke uh, Arthur C. Clarke book Rendezvous with Rama. Have you ever heard of that one? Uh. Look look up that one after this one. It's actually essentially it's kind of like Night Flyers uh, in this in the premise where an alien spacecraft is uh, spacecraft is traveling through the universe and it's set to hit the solar system and people are like what the hell is it? So they go on there and they try to find like it's I won't spoil it for you but you know what what's kind of interesting is that if we're talking about the merging of sci-fi and fantasy, Event Horizon is the one is the movie that it starts out pure pure sci-fi and then it then it gets to fantasy where you're like, 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 you know, like there's, there's so much there's like event horizon begins with some very technical, accurate, uh, descriptions of wormhole travel. And, you know, um, so, so scientists think, okay, if, if there is going to be a wormhole travel, you'd have to create some sort of singularity. Um, but then a, a, you can't travel through a point. So if you could rotate the singularity, in, in a circle, you could perhaps cut uh, a two-dimensional hole in space-time. Yeah, he folds some the paper. Sort of, right, so, and there's the whole folding paper thing. They, that scene is, is exactly what like, theoretical physicists like, talk about um, for possible like, wormhole travel. And so everything is very science-focused. It starts out very sci-fi um, and very science-y. And then... And then to find out that oh actually they didn't they didn't create a wormhole to to Alpha Centauri they created a wormhole to hell <laughs> like it gets it that's what it gets into like the fantasy realm so let me ask you this um, so so when we talk about hell hell is fantasy oh well i think so yeah i mean like the event horizon is is literally possessed by like strange demons from this hell dimension right mm-hmm. like in in George R R Martin Night Flyers like even though he's saying it's it's a it's a merging of, of sci-fi and fantasy, it's really it starts out as sci-fi, then you suspect that it's fantasy because we're talking about like for the middle part of the story, you're assuming that a ghost has possessed the ship, that an actual ghost of Royd's mother is 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 going on in there, and and there's a lot of some crazy stuff like um, Night Flyers actually has animated actually has 
dead being animated uh, telepathically and telekinetically by um, a, a uh, you know, uh, a telepath, you know, so in, in a sense, it, 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 it's a precursor to ice and fire and how and how the, the, the others are animating dead with with tele, telepathy and telekinesis. Mm. But the um, but then it goes back to sci fi at the end. It has a, you know, a sci fi explanation for everything that, you know, her consciousness was uploaded to a to a memory crystal um, and, you know, because everything was uploaded, the, tel the telepathic aspects of her brain are, are uploaded as well. You know, so it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a crazy story. So Knife Flyers, we're we're definitely gonna check it out when it does come out on Sci-Fi. Personally, I try not. And I'm gonna sound very snobby here for a minute in terms of television. I don't watch a lot of television. I'm a part of the millennial generation, and we love our Netflixes, our Hulus, our YouTubes. I, I don't plan on watching anything on Sci-Fi Channel because I've never, actually never really liked anything on Sci-Fi Channel. I mean, Sci-Fi Channel only puts out shit like Sharknado or Sharktopus versus, like, Octo Snake or whatever. Like, that's yeah. all they put out. And, uh, I don't know, hopefully it's good because it seems like Sci-Fi yeah. is hunkering down and putting out well, some stuff. Well, we'll at least talk about it on a, on a podcast, but we'll, I'll watch we'll see what happens. I'll watch the first episode. We'll, we'll see what happens. But but here you have, here you have George R. R. Martin in a tweet... Um, calling something that's pure sci-fi sci-fi fantasy. Um, so again, he, he, he mixes and blends these words. They, they, he doesn't like like to, to classify stuff in genres. And so like to say like ice and fire, like to say that it's fantasy or to say that it's sci-fi, it's really it's really a blending of things because George R. R. Martin likes to blend. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that's why I say it's useful to to look at at, at ice and fire as as sci-fi, and, and and wonder and and you know question whether or not this is a world of knights, or if it's actually some sort of post-apocalyptic world where technology regressed back to the Middle Ages. You know, it's funny. It reminds me of like that one scene in the first episode of Futurama. Where have you, have you seen the first episode of Futurama? Yeah, yeah. Where Fry is in the, this cryostasis, and the world outside of him is like passing by, passing by, oh, passing right. by. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually, it's like destroyed <laughs> by aliens. It's built back up to medieval fantasy. It's destroyed by aliens again, and they rebuild it. <laughs> but um, okay. That that that's actually that's actually a uh, um an homage to the 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 time machine. The, that's the right. Movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I also got to say this once again. Uh, I I honestly have no no horse in this race like it to me it does not matter i like my my sci-fi to be sci-fi i like my fantasy to be fantasy but if the peanut if the, butter and your chocolate your chocolate and your peanut butter <laughs> now calm down let's not get crazy uh but uh if the, if the two mix and match just a little i'm fine with it one of my favorite video game series final fantasy does it all the fucking time to me it does not matter um, Star Wars does it. Yeah, Star you know, Wars does Star it a little, yeah, right. with wizards and stuff like that. The Force, and I'm not even going to get into that because someone complained about yeah. us turning the last episode into a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about Crawl. That's a very, very <laughs> sci-fi fantasy-like combination. But like, um, straight up, have you, you you ever seen Crawl? Crawl sounds familiar. Uh, it's 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 about a medieval world that gets invaded by space aliens. It started. Liam Neeson's in it. It is it is a it is an incredible it's an incredible concept and a uh, abysmally boring movie. <laughs> it's so boring. But uh, it, yeah, crawl, yeah, crazy. 
Well, anyway. Preston, we got to get to these questions. All right, all right, comments. all right. So, so Preston, there are a lot of uh, people who commented and you know posted questions, and we haven't done an after show in a while, so this is kind of like our after show uh, for this mini. And uh, this is mainly one of the comments that you usually get from this guy named Jeb. I don't know. Uh, he clearly didn't watch the video because he said, The theory that there is no difference between science fiction and fantasy is bad. A Song of Ice and, a song of ice and Fire is not sci-fi, as George R. R. Martin has said over and over again. But the theories are not nearly as bad as the people who believe them. Now this guy here, uh, what's his name, Jack? He's the type of asshole that you see in every fandom, and I feel like it's more prevalent in Game of Thrones. Whenever someone like you tries to step in and change a conversation or bring something new or a new idea to the table, they flip out. Especially guys like this who think they have some sort of following just because they happen to be in charge of a little Facebook group. They, they can never add anything of value to the topic and, and don't like you because they're jealous of your ability to interpret the material on a higher level than they can. You're bringing something new to the table that interrupts the flow and it nudges, uh, what's his name, John, whatever his name is, over here out of the, his comfort zone. And what I find is the perfect fuck you cherry on this cake is that George essentially proved you right and him wrong. And for those of you wondering why I'm going hard on this kid, it's that I hate this type of person who doesn't watch the video but still wants to try and rip on it because he doesn't like Preston. Like, get the fuck out of here. Who are you? You're nobody. But, uh, Preston, your thoughts? Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's just George R. R. Martin says a lot of different things. And like I say, he, he they just read the Furniture Rules essay. He doesn't he doesn't like um, barriers on, on genre. He likes to blend genres. And that's, you know, that's just the most important thing. And so... I don't know, like, I don't know why it's so important to people to, to classify. Because you're changing the narrative, and they don't like that. I guess. I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand why it's so important. And I don't, I mean, you know, that's, that's an actual, like, you know, personal insult. That people that actually think that sci-fi and fantasy are the same, there's something wrong with them. Like, George R. R. Martin believes that sci-fi and fantasy are the same like that's what the furniture rules essay is like i don't i, I just well i don't, well, I don't understand it. it i honestly blame george r. r martin for this because like you said in our last video he's human so he contradicts himself yeah and he said it before and now this is what that guy is repeating this is what jude here is repeating so you know um but we also have other comments as well uh Someone, I forgot this person's name, I, I didn't jot it down, I do apologize, but they said, Preston tried to say that A Song of Ice and Fire is part of the Thousand Worlds, and George R. R. Martin shot that shitty theory down numerous times. Now, I kind of get why, you're, why you would say it's part of the Thousand Worlds, because it's always cool when an author has a plethora mm. of stories and novels and you know, all that stuff, and it all takes place in different, either different dimensions or different uh, parts of the U.S. or different parts of the world. It's always cool mm. to think that it all takes place in the same world. I mean, this is a major right. issue with uh, Stephen King. A lot of people think Stephen King's novel takes place in the same world, and sometimes he kind of makes that very clear. There's a reoccurring yeah. character in Stephen King's novel called Randall Flagg, and the guy appears in like a lot of uh, Stephen King's stories. <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, we can talk about um, the Thousand Worlds thing, um, and it, it, it's an odd thing because so George R. R. Martin, this is in a in a comment of of his uh, not a blog. Someone asked, "Hey, is is Ice and Fire in the Thousand Worlds universe?" Um, and keep in mind, prior to this, I didn't say definitively one way or the other, like it's in the Thousand Worlds universe or not. I just said, you know, it might be. 
Um, the uh, now that time travel is really confirmed in in Ice and Fire, uh, I would say that doesn't fit very well purely on the time travel thing with Thousand Worlds. But um, so, but nonetheless, like prior to the confirmation of time travel, I was like, who knows? Maybe it's in the Thousand Worlds universe. You know, you can go back and look at my my uh, uh, Minds of Wolves and Robins theory. That's what I say. I say maybe. So George, somebody asks. Uh, based on this, says, hey, is, is it in the Thousand Worlds universe? And George R. Martin says, says, well, Isaac Asimov, like late in his life, decided to make all of his stories in the same universe. Um, which, and he kind of said, I have, I have not, and George R. Martin's response was, I have not yet had this urge. Um, Westeros is not, not part of the Thousand Worlds. Now, this is funny is that, is that uh, <laughs> this other fan wrote, wrote, of course it's not one of the Thousand Worlds because it's old Haranga, <laughs> which is hilarious. Because <laughs> the Thousand Worlds were at war with, Harang with, with the Harangan Empire in the story. And so like the Thousand Worlds is, are the man realm. That's where the humans live. And so the idea would be that that the werewoods were the harangans. It was a very funny comment. Maybe I'm the only person that thinks it's hilarious. Honestly, but... I, I I don't I don't want to be that awkward guy uh, <laughs> to give you that one man out, but I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. So <laughs> in the Thousand Worlds universe, the the man realm, the Thousand Worlds, um, uh, go to war with two huge empires uh, of alien species. One's called the Findi, and the other's called the Harangans. And the Harangans. Are, have incredible similarities to the children of the forest and the werewood net. Um, just a lot, a lot of similarities. And so the, uh, and so this, you know, like, you know, they're, they're supposedly hiding underground. They're, they're hive minded. They, they have slave races that they can telepathically control. Um, they send uh, per, like misleading prophetic dreams to people to, to, in war, things like this, a lot, a lot, a lot of similarities, and so, um, uh, you know, they're they're waiting underground for a perfect moment to like strike at humanity again, you know, the, the, this kind of thing, and so the, the the joke is that you know George R. R. Martin didn't you know didn't actually say it was part of the man realm, but it could be they could be old Haranga, but I'm not saying that. Look, George R. R. Martin's implication was is that it's not in the Thousand Worlds universe. Fine, but um, you know, when I said that maybe it was in the Thousand World universe, like I had no idea. It was a shot in the dark. Like, you know, it's like it's like flipping a coin and 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 being like, ah, it might be, it might be. Who knows? This coin might be tails. And when it's heads, someone going, ha ha, you are fucking wrong. Yeah, it was heads. Ugh. Like, who gives a fuck? Like I said, maybe it was in the Thousand Worlds, and George R. R. Martin said it wasn't. It doesn't. Well. You know, one being in the Thousand Worlds doesn't mean it's not a sci-fi story because the Thousand Worlds is just one of his many universes. He has mm -hmm. um, a dozen different, you know, universes that he wrote on. Um, just like Stephen to... King, it's only natural to sure. think that all these stories the... take place in the same yeah. universe. It's it's fine. But he's the way you know. But a lot of times when people are like, a lot of times people say, "Oh, he said it's not in the Thousand Worlds, therefore it's not sci-fi," and you're like, "No." The Thousand Worlds is only one sci-fi universe. There could be there are many sci-fi universes that George R. R. Martin has written, and you know, 
Ice and Fire might be something different, a sci-fi fantasy, purely fantasy, purely sci-fi, it doesn't matter, but it, you know, it's just, it's just a different universe. But, you know, it, The Thousand Worlds is something else. But nonetheless, I said maybe it was in The Thousand Worlds, you know, he said, nah, I have not yet decided to put it in The Thousand Worlds. Um, he might one day, he might not, who cares? But this whole like, oh yeah, Preston was wrong. It's like, who cares? Like I flipped a coin, like, you know, like I just said, maybe. Well, like, the thing, the thing with you that, uh, th- and this is one of the reasons why I like doing these podcasts with you is that you don't really open up that much in your videos because when you make your videos, you almost make it like it's a matter of fact. Even if you add in at the end, I'm probably wrong about all of this. People will take you on your word that you firmly believe it. And now you're telling me it's a flip of a coin. And this is why I like doing these podcasts with you so people can better understand your, your thoughts on these things, you know? No, I mean, you just, you make an argument towards something and then, and then you, uh, you know, and you present the, the, the case, you know, with the information but provided. But you know how people on YouTube are. You say one thing and they all get on your case. But uh, fuck oh. that guy. <laughs> Because he was, very, he, was very rude. he was very rude in his comment. And if you're going to be rude, you're going to get back. Uh, Woodby Gamer <laughs> says, People aren't up okay. in arms because Preston is an extremely condescending. Chad Summerchild is a straw man for everyone who disagrees with him. I like his theories, I really do. But the Chad rings it a bit too much. Not to mention lazy. You can put forth a differing <laughs> opinion without being an ass to those who disagree with you. Has, has, he, has he not, does he not understand that Chad Summerchild is me? Like, does he not get that? <laughs> Oh, Chad like, Summerchild is you. Okay. Of course he is. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's like <laughs> that fucking Preston. God damn. I'm Chad Summerchild. Like, Chad Summerchild is just a side of me. Like, there's three sides of me. Like, when I do the video, there's like, there's Brandon who bitches. There's Sweet Robin who's kind of balanced. Who's kind of like the 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 nerd who's who's gonna be you know, has all the facts. And then there's Chad Summerchild, who's the fanboy. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I think it is? You, you, you know what really, you know, you know what makes the most sense to me? Yeah. What's so that? people, so when it comes to you, and it's, this is just you, dude. When it comes to you, whether it be that, uh, that, uh, that Jade guy or uh, this would-be gamer person, it always seems to me like, they're always trying to get you, you know? And in the sense where, like, the Scooby gang uh, ends up unmasking Old Man Jenkins, you're Old Man <laughs> Jenkins, and you have, like, this evil scheme, and everyone's, like, everyone's just trying to get you, but there's, like, these clues and shit. And... <laughs> those, those crazy kids. Oh. <laughs> oh. If only I didn't put ideas out. Oh. If only I didn't come up with ideas and make videos. Oh, They're trying to debunk I, your shit in the comments maybe section. If, maybe, if, maybe if I just sat around and did nothing, I would be better. Oh, <laughs> What the fuck? But does that make sense, though? Like, like they're trying to unmask you. <gasps> Old man Preston, I knew it. Duh. I got him. What's that theory about Scooby Doo you wrote about, where uh, where it's, it takes oh, place I, in an economically I, I, depressing time? Right, because all the PhDs are unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, oh. well there you go. <laughs> how dare he insult people like Chad Summerchild? Chad Summerchild is is everybody loves Chad Summerchild. They do. What are you talking about? Uh, it's... 
<laughs> He's like everybody's favorite character. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Seriously, Tim, that makes the most sense to me. But, okay, from Patreon, a guy named, by the name of Manarm, I'm not going to say his first name, says, When you say the past was more advanced, do you mean it in terms mm. of the furniture rules? As in, there was literally modern technology, or are you just saying that the power of sci-fi slash fantasy was more prevalent, and thus more capable of producing advanced structures at the time? Um, what I, what I, what I mean is, yes, okay, so it's it's positively true that in the story... The, the past was more advanced than the present. Um, people in the past were capable of making Storm's End and the Wall and the High Tower, um, and people currently are unable to do that. Now, the question is how were they were they technologically more advanced, like <clears throat> you know, with cranes and whatever, or were they magically more advanced and they were actually like lifting shit? with spells and wands and whatever. Um, or maybe it's some sort of sci-fi thing where people are telepathically like and telekinetically moving stuff around. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> but, you know, at some point in the past, they were more advanced. Like, that's just fact. Whether it be in some sort of sci-fi way, in some sort of like real scientific way, like technolo- technology, or in some sort of magical sense. Like, we don't know. Um, uh, it's it's probably a a bit of a bit of everything you mm-hmm. know or you know you know they um i suspect i suspect that the past had a bunch of genetic engineering it had spaceships it had it had you know high technology i think the past had all of that um i think storm's end is just too much of a glaring piece of uh of of futuristic technology to to ignore yeah. Okay. Next question is from uh, Irmina. I hope I said your name right. Will Preston ever read The Witcher Saga? Hmm. Because I love, like I said before in the previous episode, I think The Witcher is, and this is very blasphemous and I guess treacherous to uh, say, considering the content I do, I think The Witcher Saga has the potential and in some ways is better than Game of Thrones. Because it it incorporates sci-fi, fantasy, uh, and monsters. Wait, wait. Let, let let me let me ask you let me ask you something about this the the Witchers. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the release date of these books. Okay, ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety nine, twenty thirteen. What the fuck happened? <laughs> um. Well, I I can't really say. I only started. Uh, reading the Witcher series after uh, the video games came out almost a decade ago. Um, apparently, unlike George R. R. Martin, I always forget this motherfucker's name. It's like Andre Pabba Baraba Baba. Um, he he, unlike George R. R. Martin, knows when to end his shit. Okay. So that's essentially it. And occasionally he'll go back and add stories. I believe that's how it is. Because I had there because it's from Poland. It's it's a lot. It's based on a lot of Polish mythology. Um, oh, I see. The, the yeah. last book is not is not a sequel, but set between the short stories. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. And the first book is a series of short stories. And I think in the first book, The Last Wish, it it has one of the most romantic fantasy stories I've ever read. It's it's very it's very cute. Um, I recommend it to you, but will you ever get into it? I'll put I'll put it on the list. Put it on the list. <laughs> put it on the list. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll try. You say, you saying it's that good? I say it's that good because I'm coming at it with the mindset of the video games, and as we all know, or for those of you who don't know, Preston can't play games because he's, uh, he's a perfection, perfectionist. I guess that's a word, and uh, he will play that motherfucker until there's nothing left to play. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I, I mean, fucking dirty secret today. I, I spent like. Two hours walking around today catching Pokemon. I you mean, did not fucking just... do that. You did. I, I messaged you early. I'm like, hey, you ready to record the podcast? Yeah, hold on. Give me 10 minutes. Was, was, is no, that no, what you were no, doing? That was after. No, it was earlier today. Oh, I was about to say, you fuck. You spent tw- two hours walking around playing Pokemon. First off, you called it Pokemon. I just want to make it very clear. The, the Pokemon. <laughs> I was searching for the Pokemon. But you walked around two hours searching for Pokemon. I I don't I don't believe you. I almost want your wife to confirm this. I don't believe you. I don't believe this is what you did. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's it, it happened. It yeah. Happened. Okay. What's the last Pokemon you caught? <sighs> well, there's a festival going on right this week in which like everything from the 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 second uh, list is is prevalent. So. I think there's a whole bunch of fucking hounders and slugmas everywhere. So, oh my god, like, he actually does. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. You actually play Pokemon. Well, regardless, the Witcher games, yeah. I think you should definitely check them out. You, uh, skip the Witcher one. That Oh my god, that that's from like the early 2000s. It's just awful. But the Witcher 2 and the Witcher 3 are some of the best. Honestly, I, I've played a lot of video games in my life. Uh, it's a very short life compared to yours, but... <laughs> I think uh, I think The Witcher Three is probably one of the best video games I've ever played. And so so he wrote that he wrote this book series, and then after the video games, it sounds like he wanted to cash in on one more book. So he wrote this like book later on. Well, pretty much, was, like, and took, we, took we, we discussed this before. The way you got into a song of uh, way you got into a song of ice and fire is you saw Game of Thrones season one, and you liked it so much you got into the books. Yeah. So. Uh, the Witcher is being made into a Netflix show. Now, a lot of Netflix shows are oh. hit or miss. So, uh, I hope I hope they do a good job of it, because the first Netflix season of The Witcher will cover the first book, The Last Wish. So, hopefully, if you like it, you'll get into the books. But do you, on, do you, do you, know, when, do you know when the Netflix uh, show, show comes out? Probably 2020, honestly. Oh, man, that's so far. <laughs> No, because they're about to start casting the whole thing in uh, October of this year, and they'll probably spend all of next year filming, and then towards the end of next year to 2020, we will not see probably not see The Witcher. But it's a good dude. I the one problem with The Witcher I have in terms of other like games and, and and stories is that the narrative is only focused on one guy, Geralt of Rivia, who's essentially a monster slayer. And um, it's only focused on him. Whereas in Game of Thrones, you have, you know, you focus on yeah, Ned yeah. Stark, Tyrion, Danny, and Jaime, and on, so on and so forth. It's only on, on Geralt and his companion Dandelion, who is the bard of the situation. But honestly, this is really, like I said, I would dedicate my entire channel to this. I love it. I highly recommend it to anybody, anybody who loves Game of Thrones. You will love The Witcher. And if you don't like it, then there's something wrong with you and we can't be friends. But, uh... I recommend it to you. You should definitely read that. And everybody's also recommending to me the Wheel of Time. Mm. I'm sure you've gotten that as well. I haven't. I I, I have. What's funny? I mean, Wheel of Time. Um, 
I've I've heard I've heard a lot of mixed things about Wheel of Time. Even the people that love Wheel of Time, they say it starts out pretty strong, and then just starts meandering forever. And then the guy dies, and then the other guy comes in and wraps it up mm-hmm. as well as like a person could, you know. And and that's and that's what's kind of like holding me back from it. I really want there to be a good adaptation of the Wheel of Time, and I think in order to do that, same with Night Flyers. And this is why I won't watch something on like you know basic cable. I know that makes me sound like a super snob, unless it's a drama like Breaking Bad. If you're yeah. gonna do like sci-fi or fantasy, you gotta have a good budget behind it. That's why Game of Thrones has like ten million dollars per episode focused on it. And Netflix can do the same thing because I actually loved Marco Polo. It got canceled. But I love Marco Polo, and the reason it got canceled was because Netflix threw $100 million per season on Marco Polo, and they did just not get enough views to continue on to a third season. But they threw $100 million at one show. I mean, this is why I've said before, I think Netflix could do Game of Thrones probably better than HBO could. Maybe not in mm. terms of... Maybe not in terms of casting, because Netflix always seems to cast like weird people to do weird things. But <laughs> I mean, I think they, I think Netflix could uh, could have done a good Game of Thrones. They like to always throw thirteen episodes at everything. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. We'll we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's funny because we know you, we probably know that like, you know, may, maybe twenty years down the line, like. There, another adaptation of Game of Thrones. I think it probably you know, like at least fifty years because Game of Thrones. <laughs> I, I went back and I saw the first season again a while ago. It it really holds up. Like it's like yeah. it's like saying like you know, um, it's like saying The Godfather. The Godfather is not an old movie. It's a classic. You know, like mm. you have like Street Fighter from '94. That's an old movie. But then you go and you look at The Godfather Part Two or Goodfellas. That's not an old movie. That's a classic. I think Game of Thrones is a classic. And if people try to redo it, they better wait at least 50 to 100 years before they try. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is with The Godfather, so there are some things in The Godfather, like like technical stuff, like um, that could have been done better. Uh, like there's a ridiculous scene at the end of Godfather 2 where, where he um, goes and tries, uh, no, at, at the end of, Godfather one, where he tr- he has to kill every kill all the other crime families, and you know this guy clearly puts on these glasses, and then like blood starts streaming from the glasses to make it look like he was shot in the head, and I was like, oh, that looks really horrible. But you can't like the acting is all f- perfect, so why redo it when all the acting is perfect? You mm-hmm. know? Um, Game of Thrones, you know the, the acting is hit and miss. You've got you've got a handful of really incredible actors and then you have a handful of of not so great actors and they're all kind of mixed together so who knows i mean perhaps it's you know it's tough it's like the first three seasons you know of game of thrones like probably should never be redone maybe if they could just do the redo the last (laughs) first three seasons are great i honestly i think season one is probably one of the best pieces of television i've ever seen and probably will ever see season one was fantastic but yeah, Preston, let's just end it here. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. This is kind of like our after show for the uh, the part one of it. So uh, yeah, feel free to leave your thoughts and questions down below. I'll try to get to them as, as best as I can. And uh, yeah, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, be sure to tune in next time. Uh, also, Preston, feel f- uh, please leave a link in the description below 
because we do have an official Game of Thrones podcast YouTube page. You can just look it up. Um, but yeah, once again, guys, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.